Judgment Day. This will be, uh, if you're a believer, this will be the greatest day and the worst day of your life at the same time. If you're an unbeliever and you die, this will be the beginning of the worst days for all of eternity for you. So let's get right into it. Judgment Day, and this has nothing to do with um, Terminator. Okay, Second um, Peter 3.11, you should serve and honor God by the way you live, looking for the day when God judges, what's that last word? Yeah. What's it again? Yeah. Okay, um, Hebrews 9.27, and on your handout I even have more scriptures than this to prove it to you, but Hebrews 9.27, everyone has to die once and after that be judged by God. One translation says, it is appointed unto man to die one time and one time only, and after that the day of judgment. So I have a question for you, okay? Is there a judgment day coming, yes or no? Um, will all Americans be judged, yes or no? Will all Europeans and Asians be judged, yes or no? Will all white people be judged? Will all black people be judged? Will people in Africa who never heard the word of God preached audibly be judged? Will children be judged? Yes. Yes. Will everybody be judged? Okay. Will believers be judged? Will unbelievers be judged? So you're telling me, That everyone will be judged, yes or no? Okay, will we be judged based on our faith? Or will we be judged based on our works? Will we be judged based on our faith in Jesus or not? Or will we be judged based on how we lived and treated people on earth, yes or no? Both. The answer is both. For your handouts, the answer is both. Okay, let's start with the first judgment. The first judgment is called the judgment of faith. And you can see that on your handout, the judgment of faith. The judgment of faith determines if we go to heaven or hell. This judgment is based solely on whether we have faith or a relationship with Jesus or not. And I'm not talking about a Facebook relationship with Jesus, okay? Were you married to Jesus or not? There are people that think they had a relationship with Jesus, but they went to hell. And we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks where he said, depart from me, I never knew you. This first judgment is based solely on faith. It has nothing to do with the good or bad you did on earth. Nothing, nothing, nothing. The first judgment is only, only, only on your relationship with Jesus or not. It has nothing to do, good or bad, anything you said, anything you did. It is only, only, only based on our faith or lack of. Ephesians 2, 8, for it is by free grace that you are saved through faith. And this salvation is not because of works or anything you have done, but it is the free gift of God. Let me explain this to you. If um, Mother Teresa, in all the good things she did, if she, would, if she was not born again, and we'll explain exactly what that means in a few weeks, but if she was not born again, she is in hell. Because nothing good you do can get you to heaven. If, and this is a if, if Hitler, on his deathbed, which we're pretty sure he did not, but if he did cry out to God and something changed in his heart, he realized that Jesus is the Son of God, believed in that, and he wanted that relationship to start. If that is the case, which is not, if it is, he could be in heaven. Because heaven has nothing to do with whether you are good or bad. There are bad people in heaven. And if you don't believe me, look in the Bible. There are murderers, adulterers, liars, cheaters, stealers. We see those people and they made it to heaven not based on their actions on earth, but based on their relationship with God or not. There are good people in hell. There are people that did many good things, more good things than you and me combined. They gave to charities. They helped people. They were kind and generous. But they are in hell for all of eternity because the first judgment is based only, only, only on our faith. 
Titus 3, 5, he saved us because of his mercy, not because of any good things that we have done. Nothing good you do can get you into heaven. Nothing bad that you do can get you into hell. Let me give you another proof of this. Matthew um, 21 through 16 is the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. And I'm going to tell you this story in modern day um, in, in, in Myrtle Beach language, okay? Well, not in Socrates language. Then I have to take out the profanity and stuff like that. So I'm doing like Myrtle Beach language. So anyway, so here's the, here's the story. Here's how it works. So this construction owner wanted to hire some people. So somebody came in at 9 o'clock in the morning. They said, I need a job. He said, okay, I'll give you $100. Work for me till quitting time, 5 o'clock. They said, good. 11 a.m., a guy came in and said, I need a job. The construction owner said, okay, work for me till 5 p.m. and I'll pay you $100 as well. He thought, okay. Another guy came in after lunch. It was 2 o'clock. He said, I need a job. The owner said, okay, I'll pay you $100. Work for me till 5 o'clock. And he did. Then at 4.58, two minutes left on the clock, a guy needed a job. The owner said, okay, come work for me for two minutes. I'll give you $100. Work till 5 o'clock. He said, okay. People started getting upset. They said, no, 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 man. I worked all day long. In other words, I was saved since I was a teenager. Man, I served in church since I was little. And this guy, this thief on the cross that so, did something so bad, he's hanging on a cross. He looks at you and he says, remember me in your kingdom? And he gets to go to heaven just like me? Yes, that's how good God's mercy is. And that's what this first judgment is about. It's only on our faith in Jesus. It has nothing to do good or bad. You will see people that you thought them scoundrels, the rotten scoundrels, they, I can't believe they made it into heaven. They're probably going to look at you and think the same thing right back. But either way, you get to heaven and it turns out on their deathbed, you say, well then, I'm just going to live any way I want to live and on my deathbed, I'm going to cry out to God. Okay, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know your heart on that, but you don't know you could get hit by a bus today and die. We don't know when that time is going to come, but the first judgment is based only, only on our faith. The first, the judgment of faith determines where you spend eternity, smoking or non-smoking. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, part two. The second judgment is this, judgment of works. This is the final judgment. Now, as a side note, not to mess with your theology, as a side note, there is a judgment of nations based on how we treated Israel. There's a judgment based on what you said. Da, da. But it, for the most part, just to help you get through this, two main judgments. The judgment of faith is the first one. Second one is the judgment of works for your notes. This is the final judgment for all people, believers and non-believers. We all get judged twice. Everyone gets judged once on where you're going to spend eternity. Everybody gets judged twice on how you're going to spend eternity. Ecclesiastes 12, 14, God shall bring every work, say every work, into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or bad. The good things you did in secret and the bad things you did in secret. 1 Peter 1, 17, he judges all people according to each man's work, so you must honor God while you live. Here's what I'm trying to talk to you about today is belief versus behavior. Your belief determines where you spend eternity, your behavior on earth determines how you spend eternity. The second judgment determines how you're going to spend billions and billions and billions. Here's what I'm trying to tell you today. It matters how we lived on earth. It matters whether or not you come to church. It matters whether or not you tithe your income. It matters whether or not you forgive people quickly. It matters if you gossip or pursue peace. It matters if you humble yourself or stay prideful. It matters if you talk about people behind their back. It matters, it matters. And it just doesn't matter once 
You know, we think on earth, well, I did this bad thing and okay, I got to pay for it now, it's over. No, 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 no. I'm talking to you today about eternal things. These things last forever, for all of end of time. The things that you did not repent for by the time you die will be judged at the second judgment. What does repent mean? I don't mean ask for forgiveness. We all ask for forgiveness for things. Repent means change. Example, I used to cuss like a sailor years and years and years ago, F-bombs. I did GDs. It was awful. And one day I, I would always ask God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And that's great. But one day I repented. I said, I need help. I want to change. I don't want to do this anymore. And I changed. I no longer have that part of my flesh anymore. So I won't be judged by that because I'm no longer a cusser. I've repented. I've changed my heart in that area. But everything we've done, good or bad, unrepented for, will be judged on that second judgment. So let's talk about the second judgment. The first one's easy. The first one's of faith, heaven or hell. That's the easy one. The second judgment for unbelievers, hopefully none of you will ever get to this place, but the second judgment for unbelievers is the great white throne of judgment. The great white throne of judgment is for unbelievers unbelievers, great white throne of judgment. Now, this is going to be the end of the millennium, which it doesn't matter. I know you don't care, but the end of the thousand-year reign of Jesus. This is when everyone that was in hell comes up for their final judgment to see what their hell is going to be like. There's degrees of hell. Listen, there's parts of hell, and we'll talk about it in a few weeks. Biblically, I'm not talking about any new book or some movie or something like that, but biblically, there are parts of hell where you're constantly on fire and you always feel that pain for all of eternity. There's parts of hell where there's a black abyss and there's no solid thing to touch and it's only darkness and you're always falling. There's another part of hell where worms eat at you constantly. There's another part of hell where um, 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 just tons of abuse and pain. I mean, you can't even imagine, can't even imagine the great white throne of judgment is the second judgment for unbelievers. And let's read Revelation 20, 11 through 15. There's tons of theology in this, and it should be on your paper. It says, then I saw a great white throne. This is the future. This future is going to take place. One day you'll remember this sermon and think, man, I remember that young, handsome preacher told me about that. Then I saw a great white throne and the one who sits on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and were seen no more. I saw the dead, great and small alike, standing before the throne. Now, if you open up your Bibles to Revelation 20, 11, or if you want to underline it now, underline the word books, plural, plural, plural. Books were open. Let me stop you for a minute. There's books in heaven. There's, a book, there's books with every good thing you did written in it and books with every bad thing you did written in it unrepented for. There, then there is a book. It says then another book was opened. This is the Lamb's Book of Life. The dead were judged or sentenced according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Then the sea gave up its dead. Death and hell gave up the dead they had. And all were judged according to what they had done according to their, everybody say motives. That's a sad word. I'll tell you why in a little bit. And works. Then death and hell were thrown in the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. Those who did not have their name written in the book of life were thrown in the lake of fire. People that are in hell, when they come up for the second judgment, they're going to get to see, my name wasn't in the book, but I did this. Remember the scripture? Well, I cast out devils and I prophesied and I did this. And Jesus can say, depart from me. I never knew you. And then there's going to be people that they were just totally a wreck, evil, did awful things. But somehow at some point in their life, they knew, they knew, they knew they had this relationship with Jesus and they're going to be going to heaven. The Lamb's book of life is where we want our name. See, the unbeliever that gives to charities, the unbeliever that serves people, the unbeliever that is kind, their hell will not be as bad. It'll still be the worst thing you could imagine, but it won't be as bad as Hitler's hell or um, um, Saddam Hussein. Is that right? 
Did I say that right? Okay, I don't know any political stuff. Who's the president? I don't know. I'm just kidding. Okay, here we go. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. There's degrees in hell. Matthew 11, 12. Let me read this to you. 11, 22. Jesus said, I assure you that on the day of ju- the judgment day of God, it shall be more tolerable or less suffering for Tyre and Sidon than for you. People of Capernaum, do you think you'll be honored in heaven? You'll go down to hell. Now, this scripture, you don't have any idea what this means. This, is, this looks crazy, but I'm going to explain it to you. Jesus went to the place of Tyre, he went to Sidon, and he went to Capernaum. And he tried to minister there. Tyre and Sidon, they rejected Jesus. They're like, nah, you know, we don't believe. Thanks anyway. But the people of Capernaum, they really rejected Jesus. Spit in his face, get out of here, you're not from God. And Jesus is saying, there are degrees of hell. It will actually be less suffering. It'll still be suffering, but it'll be less suffering for the people of Tyre and Sidon than the people of Capernaum. Let's look at another scripture, Romans 2, 5. But you refused to repent. You had a hard and stubborn heart, and so you're storing up wrath on the day of wrath when the day of judgment of God will be revealed. Listen, you can store up wrath. The people that are doing you wrong right now and treating you bad at work and on and on, pray for them. Because if you knew what hell was like, you don't want them to go. But if they go to hell, every time they do this to you, they are storing up wrath. Every time they talk about you behind your back, every time they make fun of you and make you feel small, every time they steal from you or cheat on you, whatever it is, they are storing up wrath. It's like a really bad savings account. I mean, they're storing up wrath on the day of wrath. Pray for them. You don't want them to have that punishment because these punishments, they're not just a one-day punishment or one-week punishment or I feel bad and it's over. It's eternal, eternal punishment. Hopefully none of y'all will be at the great white throne, although it does say biblically there are more people in hell than heaven. Just so you know, that's biblical. I'm going to show you that in a few weeks. But you say, why in the world is there a hell? Why would God do this? God didn't create hell for you. Hell was not created for me or you. Do you know that? Hell was not supposed to be for us. The Bible actually says hell has had to widen because people have turned their back on Jesus. And you say, John Paul, if you're so passionate about this and you just believe it so strongly, why don't you go to people and shake them and beg them? Like, tell them what the truth is. Here's why it's all about somebody's heart. There are people that Jesus appeared to himself and they rejected him. There's truth available to all of us, churches, cell phones, books, we got everywhere we look. If they, if an American hadn't accepted Jesus with all he's blessed us with and all the truth available to us by clicking on a phone, then nothing I do is going to change their heart. Salvation's a heart issue. We'll talk about that. Are y'all as excited as I am or is it just me? Everybody's okay? Are y'all sweating or is that just me? Sweat down every leg, everything's sweating right now. I just lost three and a half pounds. Ready? To be, this is the judgment for believers, the second judgment for hopefully you and me, and it is called the judgment seat of Christ. This is the believer's judgment of works. Do you understand what we've done so far? So, so far we talked about heaven or hell, that's the first judgment of faith. Then we started talking about the judgment of works, the second judgment. We already did the unbelievers, now we're going into the believer's judgment of works. This is called the judgment seat of Christ, and this is just shortly after the rapture. Which you don't, I don't know if you need to know that or not. Um, Also, the word rapture is not in the Bible, just so you know. But the thing of what rapture explains is, so just after that, you have the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 on the screen. We must all, everybody say all. All. The scripture is written to the church, believers. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive his pay according to what he's done in his bodily life. God's going to be paying us. 
I'll show you how. Both good or evil, considering his purpose, and there's that sad word that I can't believe is in Scripture. I wish it wasn't. If I could white it out, I would. And it says motive. And what he has achieved, been busy with, given himself and his attention to accomplishing. Motive. Listen, you're going to get a reward if you're a believer if your motives were right for what you did. In other words, if you sang a solo because you just wanted somebody to hear your voice and you wanted to be the first one to sing that song and you wanted them to know what you could do, whatever clap you received, that's all the reward you get because your motive was selfish. If you gave them the offering because you feel guilty or because, you know, you do it half-heartedly and you just want to show that you're a giver, whatever the case, no reward for you. Now, we want you to still give. I'm just saying, but no reward in heaven. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If your motives aren't right... Why do you come to church early? Why do you serve? Why does you forgive that person? Why do you love that person? Why do you encourage that person? Why do you do what you do? Why do you put a smile on your face when you're at church? Do you do these things because you love Jesus and you care about his kingdom? Or is there something that you want to benefit yourself in a prideful and arrogant way? If so, that reward is done. No rewards for you. Your motives matter. What are your motives? Why do you do what you... Let me ask you a question where you can... Uh, this will tell you what your motives are. How do you respond when you don't get your way? Okay, pretend like I never said that because that was too deep. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. How do you respond when you don't get your way? Well, I wanted to do this. I wanted to teach and I wanted to stand here and I wanted to sing this and I wanted to give that. And they didn't let me do it. Man, your motive must be for the wrong thing. Because if your motive was for the kingdom of God, you'd be like, okay, God, I trust you. It's good. I'll submit to the authority or da-da-da, whatever the case. Your motives matter. And listen, here's the sad thing. Here's why I said it's going to be the best day and the worst day of your life if you're a believer. Everyone's going to see your motives. They're all going to be exposed that day at the second judgment. I can just picture God like, John Paul, come up here. I'll be, I'll be like, I'll be, I'll be having a shirt on that says, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is the greatest day and the worst day of your life. Matthew 6, 1. Don't do good deeds in order to be seen by men. Otherwise, you won't have a reward. Verse 5, 6, I'm sorry. Your father who knows what is done in private, he'll reward you openly. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? Do you know how long y'all are going to have to wait in line when Mary Jane and Ron come up? Mary Jane and Ron will be up here and God will be like, okay, it's time to give you a reward. All the things you did in private. Man, we'll be sitting there for hours. Ron will have a crown after a crown after a crown and... Mary Jane will slap it off and take one and say, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Mark will be trying to get a crown off and God will, God will say, put that back on him. So anyway, listen, there's a reward in heaven. And you know that scripture earlier that said on this day of judgment, our motives and, and what have you given your attention to? Let me ask you a question. Uh, the, let me, actually, let me quote the scripture and say it. It said, um, we're going to be judged on our motive based on what we have given ourselves and our attention to accomplishing. What have you accomplished for the kingdom of God? I was going to be generous and say two years. Let me be more generous. Ten years. In the past ten years, have you accomplished more for yourself or for the kingdom of God? Listen, what I'm telling you today is eternal. See, we, all we can think about is this earthly life and what we're going through now. I'm telling you, the second you feel like you're having a heart attack, you're going to remember this sermon. You're going to think back, and I think, oh, I wish I had done that with my money. God, I know you gave me this talent and this time, and I didn't use it for you. And God, why didn't I forgive that person when they did me wrong? God, why did I talk about them behind their back? Because what I'm telling you today, it's not just a one-time thing. Again, it's forever. Next scripture. Um, 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15. The work of each one will become plainly, there we go, I told you, openly known when the day of Christ's judgment exposes it. On that day, fire will reveal everyone's work. The fire will test the character and real quality of the work each person's done. If any man's work survives his test, he'll get a reward. 
But if it's burnt up, he'll lose everything, all reward, though he himself will be saved. You see the theology in that. That theology just showed you belief versus behavior. It just showed you first judgment versus second. See that last line? Even though you'll be saved, that's the first judgment, all your work, all your rewards will be gone. You say, well, I just want to get to heaven. I don't care if I live in a shack. You should because it's eternity. Eternity. Honestly, in heaven, there's the city of heaven, but then there's going to be galaxies and planets and cities, and God's going to need people who need to serve. God's going to call people. We're still going to work in heaven. It won't be like this kind of work. It'll be better. I promise you, we're still going to work in heaven. We're still going to, there's still going to be pastors in heaven. There's still going to be um, um, teachers in heaven. The Bible says we'll sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jake and hear their stories. They're going to be teaching us and telling us things. We'll still be learning in heaven. You're going to want to want to want to listen to this. I'm telling you. Okay, so here's what I want to tell you about this. These eternal rewards, when I was studying this, God told me, uh, John Paul, the people that are going to love this scripture in this point are the people that have a 401k or a retirement plan. And I said, why is that? And here's what God spoke to me very, very clearly. Those people know the future always comes. See, when we're teenagers or when we're immature or whatever, we're young or when we're very self-centered or self, you know, uh, focused on only ourselves, we don't think the future's going to come. We, all we think is now, 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 what I'm going through today. What can I get by with today? What do I want right now? We don't think about the future, but there are some of you in here that are very, very intelligent when it comes to knowing the future always comes. It's going to come one day. You're going to be judged twice. Number three, eternal rewards. Eternal rewards. Revelation 2, 23 and 26 through 28. I am he who searches the minds, the thoughts, the feelings and purposes and the inmost hearts. I will give to each of you a reward according to what you have done. In fact, for some of you, I will give authority over the nations to everyone who obeys my commands by doing the work that pleased me to the very end. There's going to be cities. God's going to need governors. Listen, if we serve here on earth, he's going to want us to serve in heaven as well. And it's all based on how you live now. It's going to be based on what position you have in heaven. Revelation 22, verse 12, and Matthew 16, 27. Listen, says Jesus, I'm coming soon. I'm going to bring my rewards with me to give each one according to what he has done. I had a church member named Nellie English. She passed away, I think, about a year year ago, last year. And um, Nellie was the perfect church member. I'm sorry, she was the perfect church member. Let me tell you, she always had a good attitude. Not once. She was, she was with me since we started the church, I think right in the library time, so almost 10 years. Not once did she ever complain. Not once did she ever gossip. Not once did she ever have a bad attitude. She tithed faithfully. She served. She came to church on time to sing in the choir every single Sunday. In fact, when she was sick in her final months, I went to visit her, and she was encouraging me while she was sick. Now, her rewards will not be like many of us in here. Her rewards will be far greater, and it's not going to be a one-time thing, and I keep saying this because I really want you to get it. It's eternity. In fact, billions of years from now, billions, you've only been alive for what? Some of y'all 30, 40, 50, some of y'all 100. Anyway, so billions of years, billions of years from now, you're going to look at Nellie, and you're going to think, I wish I had not wasted what God gave me on earth. I wish I had not wasted it. 2 Timothy 4.8. There's different crowns in heaven you can get. I'm going to show you a few of them. The victor's crown of righteousness is given to those on that day, capital day for day of judgment, for being right with God and doing right. Notice, it's not just enough to be right with God. That's the first judgment. Doing right is going to affect your eternal eternal life. Revelation 2.10. Be loyally faithful unto death and I'll give you a reward for the 
crown of life. There's another one. Here's my question. Will every one of us receive the same reward in heaven? No. No. We're not. 1 John 2.28, it says, Abide in Christ, then we will not hide in shame on the day when he... Why would we hide in shame? Because we wasted our life on earth. So, three final points, and I'm done. These are the best points of the whole sermon, I think, by far. So wake up for this. Number four, what is the easiest and most enjoyable path to receiving eternal rewards? In other words, we learn what we just learned. I want to set you up for eternal success. Eternal. So what can you do that will actually set you up in an easy way? I'm not talking about difficult, hard. In an easy way, how can I set you up to have eternal? Everybody say eternal. Everybody that's under 21 years old, say eternal. <laughs> People under 21 don't listen. Anyway, okay. Everybody that's over 80, say eternal. They can't hear me, so that's okay. Anyway, so, um, just kidding. I'm joking. Oh, man, I'm going to have, that's going to be a check on my list. God, forgive, forgive me for that. I repent for making fun of young people and old people. <laughs> um, okay, so, what's the easiest and enjoyable path to receiving eternal rewards? Easy, and I'm going to tell you the answer, but you got to give me five minutes to explain. Okay, here's the answer. The answer is, join solid rock. That's the answer. I'm going to tell you why. The heart of God, the reason the New Testament was written after the Gospels is because local church is the answer for building the kingdom of God. Now, you got to get in a church that's Bible-based and that sets you up for success. By forgiving people, we set you up to have good relationships and not hold on to offense and have bitterness planted inside of your heart. By giving and honoring God financially, we set you up for your heart to stay in the kingdom of God. By serving, we set you up so that you have your mind off of yourself and on God so that during the week when bad things happen to you, it's not so big as it was if you were just focused on yourself. And by respect, we set you up to always remember that you can hear from God on your own and other people can as well. This church sets you up not just for success on earth, we set you up for eternal success forever. Forever, ever, ever. We're setting you up. Um, 75% of the New Testament Bible was not written to Christians. It was written to Christians who were members of local churches. Isn't that interesting? 75% of the whole New Testament was written to members of churches, not people that just came and hung out on Sunday, not people that you saw every once in a while, not even people that were faithful on Sunday but never served, gave, and respected and did the things that we call our core values. The Bible written to members of churches. We're setting up for eternal success, and I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove it to you. Luke 19, 11, and 17. The kingdom of God's like this. Well done, excellent servants. Because you've been faithful in a little thing, I'll make you governor over 10 cities. The more excellent our service now, the greater the reward in heaven. Um, I went to a soccer camp when I was um, nine or ten years old, and um, I was incredibly good. Like I said, I was just love soccer, really good at it. Even at a young age, I was very strong at telling people what to do and let's stand here and go here and let's move here and I'd, I'd write out plans. But at this particular camp, I goofed up the whole time. I made fun of people. I played pranks. I had a bad attitude. Um, I could have easily gotten there and just dominated the sport and did good, but I just totally played around. At the end of the three days, they call us in for the conclusion of the camp and there's trophies at the front of the, of the room on this table. I remember thinking, if I'd known they were going to pass out trophies. And it wasn't like nowadays where every kid gets a trophy just for showing up, you know, and being whatever, sitting on the bench, here's your trophy. Now, this was back in the day whenever they gave trophies because you earned it and deserved it. And I remember thinking, if I had only known there was going to be rewards in front of everybody, if I'd known they were going to bring the girls from the cheerleading camp in there, 
And the older guys from the, if I knew we were all going to be there, man, I would have used my talent. I would have used my giftedness. I would have used what God gave me to better be productive in this situation. And now I'm going to miss out on the reward. Let me tell you, there's going to be trophies. There's going to be crowns. There's going to be rewards. And the talent, the, oh, God's put things inside of you. If you don't use it for him in this life, I'm telling you, if you don't start soon, <clears throat> it's going to be a sad day. You may make it into heaven. But believe me, you're going to want a lot more than that. <clears throat> Where are we at? Matthew 19. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Don't store up riches for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy. Instead, store up treasures for yourselves in heaven. You'll need treasures for where your, your treasure is, your heart is also. I remember one time I was sharing the scripture with somebody and they said, that's so prideful. Why would God give out treasures to people? And da, 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 da. Here's why God's going to give out treasures to people. Because his heart is for you. His heart is for you to do good on earth. His heart is for you to treat people right. His heart is for you to be blessed. And if his heart is for you, then guess what? His treasure is going to be stored up for you as well. One of the best things you could do would be to take your family to a junkyard one day on a little vacation. Hold hands with everyone in the family. Look around and say, kids, look at this. See this pile of crap? People gave their time and attention to this stuff. You see where the moth and the rust is destroying? People took out credit cards to have that thing over there. They just wanted it so bad. You see that broken down car? 30 years ago, a couple got in a fight. Two week long fight over that vehicle. You see those toys over there that kids cried and cried and cried for? You see that house that's burnt up and destroyed? That's all they were focused on and now look what's left of it. What are you doing that will last for all of eternity? Number five, will anybody be judged differently? In other words, will anybody be judged more harsh than anybody else? Yes or no? What do y'all think? What do you think? Come on, think about it hard. Will anybody be judged? Put it up there, number five. Will anyone be judged? Number five, will anyone be judged differently? Yes or no? Yes. It says in our James 3, 1, we should not all try to become teachers, for you know that teachers will be judged by a higher standard and with greater severity than other people. Teachers shall receive a stricter judgment. Oh, listen, we're, I'm having some small groups starting, and I was wondering if there's anybody that would be willing to head up any of our small groups. Didn't think so. Okay, anyway, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. I'm glad Pam's a teacher. I'm just a comedian. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. I want church leaders to watch over their sheep willingly in order to please God, not because you have to. There's motives, but from a real desire to serve. Be an example, and when God appears, you'll receive. There's another crown mentioned, the crown of glory. I remember I heard Billy Graham preach a sermon on the seven crowns you can receive in heaven. I think it was seven. Number six, last point and we're done. Which person here at Solid Rock will be the greatest in heaven. You know, uh, <clears throat> let me tell you why this is a good question. And the, there is going to be people that are going to be greater than others. Here's what this The disciples actually asked Jesus this question. Remember that when they were walking on the road? Which one of us is going to be greatest in your kingdom? <clears throat> I have the answer, but I'm just curious. Before we put the answer up there, who do you think will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I, I, say, I say Ron and Mary Jane Kaufman. Anybody agree with that? <laughs> who will be the greatest? And the fact that they don't think so proves that they probably will be. But anyway, who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Will it be the senior pastor? Will it be the most talented person in the room? Who will be the greatest? Matthew 23, 11 through 12 tells us the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the greatest servant who humbles himself. Man, that's such a good scripture. That should make you smile. Some of y'all, you're frowning, but that's okay. Okay, I'm going to read you one more statement that's not up there. 
And I, I honestly believe it's the most important statement of the whole sermon. Okay? So I'd love for you to write it down or go back over it sometime. I was thinking, God, when you judge us this second judgment, you know, not the judgment of faith, but the judgment of works, how are you going to be able to judge me versus the way you're going to judge a man in Africa in a tribe who maybe never heard the gospel preached audibly? I mean, he didn't do as good. I did way more good than he did. He didn't do as good as me. How are you going to judge the 16-year-old kid versus the 72-year-old person? Like, they did way more good things than the 16-year-old. They didn't have time. They died at a young age. How are you going to do, how's the rewards going to be fair? Like, how, you're just God. You're all knowing. I mean, how, how are you going to do it? I'm going to read you this statement, okay? This is the statement God gave me, and I want to make sure I read it correctly. God judges a Christian's works based on how humble they were in relation to how much truth was presented to them. Let me say it again. God judges our works based on how humble we were in relation to how much truth was presented to us. Let me give you some examples. Let me say it one more time and I'll give you an example. God judges us based on how easily correctable, based on how quick to repent, based on how much we salt God's heart, based on how submissive we were, how willing to change, how teachable we were in relation to how much truth was presented. In other words, the, 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 the African tribe member, you know, the Bible, and I'm going to prove this in Scripture, but they could get saved by looking at a mountain. The Bible says that God saved people even through his creation. That one day this African tribe member can look at a mountain and think, this thing is so majestic. It's amazing. How in the world did this get here? And then all of a sudden, this, this, this seed is planted in his heart that there is a creator. And he just, uh, he just gets saved. He thinks there's got to be creator. There's got there's to be a God, all-knowing, all-powerful. He's got to be. And he gets saved. But here he is saved, and he never tithes. He never gives. But he starts being kind to people. Something in his heart just changes, and he starts treating people differently. He doesn't have a lot of truth taught to him. He's just, just kind of going through what he thinks is best at the time. But then you got this person in America, and they have a cell phone, and any moment they can type in a scripture and read the scripture. When they're, when, they're, when they're talking about people behind their back, they can easily open up the Bible. They can look on TBN. They can type something in the computer. They can go to a thousand churches on every single corner. They can call friends, look on Facebook. There's so much truth presented to us. And this guy, he gives a million dollars to a charity one year, and you know, he treats people okay. But he had so much truth available to him. And even though he did more good than the African tribe member, the African tribe member is going to get more of a reward because this guy was so prideful and so arrogant and so refined refuse to listen and refuse to obey, his rewards aren't going to be the same. We're going to be judged based on how humble we were in relation. In other words, let's just, look, just, just can I, I know I'm long. This is long today. I'm sorry. Can I have three more minutes? Raise your hand if you give me three more minutes. Three, six, nine, 12, 15, 16, 21, 12. Okay, good, perfect. 30 more minutes. Okay, so, um, <laughs> so, 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 every one of us in this room, we hear the truth from God. I don't know if you hear it besides this. Let's just assume, let's assume none of you open a Bible or crack a book or, or read anything during the week except for Sunday morning. Just based on what you hear from this pulpit, how easily correctable, changeable have you been just from this truth presented? Because you're going to be held accountable one day based on all this truth available to you. But you leave here and you never leave changed. You're the same person year after year. You don't want to grow, don't want to give, don't want to serve. 
do you really think God's going to look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant? And then you got, and I hate to keep using an example, I'm sorry, but then you got Ron Kaufman, who spent a lifetime just wanting to do what was right, just wanting to serve, just wanting to give, didn't feel like complaining. He wanted to, but he just didn't do it. He wanted, but he didn't do that. He just kept on doing what God wanted. Do you really think the reward's going to be the same? No. Based on how humble in relation to how much truth is presented to you. Last scripture, Isaiah 66, 1 through 2. This is my favorite scripture in the whole world, by the way. The Lord says, heaven's my throne. Earth is my footstool. I created the whole universe. But the only thing I'm looking for, looking for, like, like, reg, like looking for, like the only thing I'm looking for all the time is a humble man or woman who obeys my word.